Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Just on one more turn to go, the crowd roaring, Rick Mears heads toward number four, he's down the main straightaway, here's Bob Jenkins. Rick Mears becomes the third four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, winning the Diamond Jubilee Edition, the 75th running of this great speed classic. Rick Mears has won the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Scott Goodyear tucked right in behind Al Edger Jr. He's waiting. He's waiting about a car length and a half behind Al Jr. Al Jr. now lengthens it out. He's trying to hold him off. Goodyear low. Junior high. They go to four, Bob Laney. Al Edger Jr. has the lead. One more turn to go. Here they come. Coming to the finish line. Bob Jenkins, who's going to win it? The checkered flag is out. Goodyear makes a move. Little Al wins by just a few tenths of a second. Perhaps the closest finish in the history of the Indianapolis 500. Al Unzer Jr. has become the first second-generation driver to win an Indianapolis 500. Al Unzer Jr. has done it. Ever since Napoli, he's coming through four. He's smooth as glass. He heads to the start-finish line. The checkered flag here to call Bob Jenkins. Emerson Fittipaldi takes the checkered flag and wins the 77th running of the Indianapolis 500. The checkered flag waves and Al Unzer Jr. has won the 78th running of the Indianapolis 500. Al Unzer Jr. becomes a two-time winner of the Speed Classic on Memorial Day weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana. Classic highlights of the Indianapolis 500 from 91, 92, 93, 94. No highlights today, unfortunately, for opening day for the 107th, but still plenty to discuss. Welcome to Trackside, 93, 5, 107, 5, the fan in Indianapolis. Kurt Cavan is there. I'm Kevin Lee. I'm here. Eddie Garrison is in our Indianapolis studios in downtown Indianapolis at Kevin Lee 23. If you have something for us today uh, at Kurt Cavan as well, I want to start with this. When you do send a tweet, I think this week, if you want it addressed on this show, the hashtag trackside is going to be a little more important because if and when we ever see race cars on the track and I'm doing eight hours of coverage on Peacock. There will likely be questions tweeted to me that way. So I want to know whether it's a question for somebody watching Peacock or for this radio show. The hashtag trackside, even if you send it at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, that will help me because um, otherwise I'll never get through the feed because when they start putting a graphic up there with the Twitter handle, you know, I might get 300 mentions in a day or, or something like that. So those are first world problems. Like you're a real celebrity or something, but I've just been added in on a TV screen and maybe they were tagging someone else. So 
uh, I get it. And, and we'll get to your questions as much as we can for our family here on the radio show. Well, that was a bummer today. Yeah. Uh, hey, at least we're dry. And it was one of the more beautiful evenings in central Indiana. Unfortunately, it wasn't one of the best afternoons. Uh, or mornings for that matter. No, we it, it really teased us today. We didn't really have, if you weren't in central Indiana, it wasn't one of those days where it rained all day. It was, it was kind of consistent and it was just strong enough that it kept the track wet. And then about, I don't know, it was about noon. It started, to, it kind of stopped what it was, what it was doing from the sky. And it looked like we were going to get the track dry. And about two 30, it looked like we were all systems go. And then we got more rain. So we never got to turn a lap, but uh, we, we do have three more days before qualifying on Saturday and it'll be plenty of time. It just means there's going to be more action as the guys and gals get ready for this race. So we'll go ahead and address this as I look out the window and it is blue skies and sunshine at 7.04 local time. Lee uh, Rias says, really seems like IMS messed up and lost a couple hours of practice this afternoon. Well, no, I don't know that two hours was available. So, yes, they, they could have waited. And maybe you were still at IMS, but I left. Boy, I think I left. Well, you called me a little bit when I was in the car. I'd been gone for about 15 minutes. So I don't think I left until 4.30 or 4.45, and it was still wet. It was still just a little bit. It, it's basically dry, but I'm not sure it's dry enough to run 235 miles per hour. Well, I think it probably could have been completely dry by about 5.45, you know, and maybe you could run till seven or seven thirty. You're right. Perhaps. I mean, in a best case scenario, you you might have had that time, but you know, it just does a disservice for all kinds of reasons. You got people, you know, working, and they've been there since since the early hours. And if this was late in the week and we've not had any running, I think they might have exactly. waited out. This is day one. And if the forecast didn't look good tomorrow and Thursday, which I think last I checked, and someone tell me if that's changed, I uh, just got uh, sat down a few minutes ago, so I haven't checked IndyCar Weatherman or the other places I, I trust on social media. Um, but I think it looks good, and that added to it. So you know, maybe they could have gone out at 5 o'clock, and I wondered at one point, and I think that's why they waited so long. We thought they would go ahead and call it even earlier but I think the teams were probably interested in at least doing a systems check. And then it got to a point where, you know, and maybe it still showed at that time that there was a decent chance of a pop-up coming. Yeah. So they were probably in a position where we cannot 100% guarantee it's not going to rain. And then everyone's going to be really annoyed with us if the track is dry at 5.07. And just like the last time, it starts sprinkling again. And then you've ended the day. So we'll be fine. And, and along with uh, Julie Taggart asks, is there any talk about possibly adding practice time for tomorrow? Well, there is going to be time added, but they don't need it. Um, if, if you can't get things sorted in 18 hours of practice time available for this week, when everybody else has the same amount of time, and that's the key, everybody else has the same amount of time. And we learned from NASCAR last year that they can actually just show up and race without any practice at all. So it's not ideal, but the key is, are you getting more or less than your competitors? And if it's the same, 
then it's equal. You know, this is a big race and we have reasons. We want everyone to have their best showing. And we also just like the content as well. Um, but no, six hours of time is going to be enough tomorrow. And RC, it, so maybe it helps best RC Enerson enable motorsports because had they practiced some today, they would have been the team that was already starting behind. That's right. That's right. And tomorrow they're going to be on the racetrack at, at 1015 until noon, which will give them the right amount of time to do the rookie orientation program that RC will be asked to complete again. And then all skate from from noon until six. And by the way, you mentioned 16, 18 hours of practice, but they also that is just leading up to the qualifying day. They will have actually practice on qualifying days and there'll be the Monday session following qualifying plus the the carb day hour as well. So there's there's a sufficient amount of time not only to get ready for qualifying, but also the race. And just to clarify what I was talking about, why RC Enerson and Able Motorsports would have been behind, this question was coming in, some wondering if they get the first opportunity on track. And, you know, and in an ideal world, if if uh, I'm an RC Enerson fan, I'd like that to be the case. But I think you also have to think about the show. And you had some people there today. And even with the rain, there were some people there today. So if if you're coming out to see opening day at the Speedway and you're not guaranteed of a full day of activity and you have 33 cars sitting and watching one, that's probably going to have 33 people, 33 teams and a lot of fans uh, disappointed. So unfortunately, they weren't going to be on track once we missed that uh, window. The first priority that this was never finalized, but my guesstimate was. The first two hours of track time were going to go to everyone. Because so, the way it was phrased is that the veterans will be prioritized. And I, I think if they would have gotten two hours of running in, then they would have checkered that session and then maybe devoted an hour for RC to go through. And maybe that would only be if there was still going to be another hour after that. You had to kind of look at the masses. So... Once we got into the early afternoon, it was very simple that, okay, their opportunity is going to come tomorrow. It's not going to be this evening. So that's why they're now on equal footing. Now, all that said, when I when I walked back to the garage and talked with Bill Abel and John Brunner, the team manager a little bit, John said, yeah, I get that. So I, I said, are you just hoping for a full rainout? And he said, no, I, I would like to see the car run the install lap just to make sure everything is good. And we'll actually... At, you know, you get up to 130 or 140 miles an hour or whatever, we'll get a little bit of data and just make sure that all is good. And then we will sleep comfortably knowing we're ready to go and get after it for rookie orientation and everything tomorrow. Because remember, that car has not run since they've had it. There's no test opportunity for an Indy 500 car. You maybe could have taken it to Texas or something like that, but that's massively expensive. So the last time it was on track was the August Brickyard Road Course Race in 21, operated by a different team in a different configuration, and it has been basically rebuilt from scratch. So there's that part of the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. What else? Well, we did have a lot of opportunity to hear from, from drivers today. I don't know how much you had a chance to talk to them, but... There was quite a bit of bustle in the in the uh, what we know as the pace car room underneath the pagoda. A lot of drivers uh, in 
did you make some notes or, or would you like me to kind of lead us down where the big action was today? No, I was in the booth waiting to see what was going on. So I, I did see some, I went back and talked to a few drivers in the morning. I'll tell you, you know, one of the questions I had is I wanted to find Callum Eilat, um, because if when, when you left, last left us at Indianapolis 500 testing, that car wouldn't drive straight. Uh, and he said it was evil and it was going, it was trying to crash him. Uh, he couldn't do 205 miles per hour. And there was a fear that it's not just slow car syndrome, but we've got to get a new chassis or do something else. So I wanted to find out where did that end up? And he said, it's still the same chassis. We think we might have found the problem, but I'd really like to see it. So there's part two of who I think most wanted to see a little bit of time today. Um, from a broad standpoint, they think it was something with the, the rear end of the car and they've made some changes there. Uh, and they, they've basically changed everything that they can change except for the chassis. So he wants to get on track, give it a feel. And if it's still evil, then they're going to have to change the chassis. That's the only thing left, which would cause them to lose another day. That's why that was pretty critical today, because if they get out there tomorrow at noon and it, by 12.15, which they'll know quickly that this doesn't work, then they're going to lose tomorrow. And you want to start talking about who's in trouble, you're going to start there because they're going to have two days of practice to prepare for qualifying. Yeah, that, that's a big one. Uh, the big one from the from the media interviews was Graham Rahal, who we, you know, we've talked yeah. about as, as one of the people in the potential silly season for 2024 – you know, his contract is up and the questions came pretty rapid fire about, you know, what do you think your team is, you know, not performing at the level that you'd like uh, until, of course, the GMR Grand Prix when they stepped up pretty well, finishing fourth and 10th uh, and qualifying three cars in the top eight. But, you know, what do you think? Are you interested in leaving? Are you interested in you know, any other scenarios retiring and, you know, he was, he didn't shut it down. I'll say that, you know, he, mm -hmm. largely his, his response was, look, this, this program has a lot of sponsors. They're all tied to me. And in some form, you know, my name's in the deal. Um, this is my home. This is where we're making progress. And he, he, you know, he just, he stopped short of saying, you know, I know right now I'm staying here. He he basically said the next you know couple of weeks here at IMS and the next couple of races after that, you're going to tell him a lot about which direction the program's going. And he seemed to indicate that maybe some of it had to do with him. You know, is he the driver that needs to to step it up or or take another path? But it was an interesting conversation, pure honesty from from Graham as we've you know, long been familiar with and expected from him. Uh, I don't, I still don't think he's going anywhere, but he certainly kind of left some, some questions that have to be answered over the next, you know, month to six weeks. He alluded to a little bit of that as well when Nate Ryan talked to him on the Peacock show. And I, I can't say I heard 100% of it because I was getting some traffic about what was coming up next in my year. So I was trying to listen to what he said, but what I took from it are some of the things that we wondered about. And he basically was, I think, uh, from what I gathered from it is, this isn't a whole lot of fun running 20th and qualifying 20th. And, y y you know, I've he's 
been honest before that there's going to be a come a time fairly soon, whether it's one year, two years, three years, where he might just be an Indy 500 only driver and focus on the business. And it kind of sounded to me like, yeah, we might expedite that process a little bit because there's no point in doing this if we can't be competitive. Um, so he could explore other options. I'd be surprised if that happened, but he could explore it and see what the market has because Graham does bring a lot, not just experience and always moving forward, but you want him a part of, of your commercial team. If he's willing to go somewhere else and as much as he is the future of that team, I suspect his dad would be fine with saying, hey, if Ganassi wants to bring you back or if Errol McLaren has an opportunity or, or something you think is really good and you have a better chance than with us, then bless you. You know, I, I want to see you do well and then you'll rejoin us whenever you're done. Remember, he didn't drive for the team at the beginning of his career and they were very separate. Uh, but I suspect it's with that team or not at all. I would also say when he says he's looking inwardly, you know, it'd be one thing. Yes, Christian Lungard is out qualifying him, but his other teammate, Jack Harvey, is not. And I think Jack Harvey is is pretty good. So I don't think this is just a Graham Rahal kind of thing. So it's more of we're either going to get things headed in the right direction or I'm probably going to quit banging my head against the wall and I, I have other things I can do with my life. I do not have to drive race cars full time and still be super, super busy and successful. That's my take think, on Graham. Yeah, he made the comment. I don't think it was last year, maybe the year before. I think it was last year that his all his other business ventures far out pay compared to what he makes as a race car driver. So you know, he's got a that. lot of businesses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A couple other things that he said today, and I was standing, it was, I was probably, I don't know, 10 feet from him. I could hear most of what he said. It was a little bit loud. And then I saw that I didn't hear this part. I read it in Nathan Brown's story in the Indianapolis Star that Graham revealed that he's been dealing with a torn labrum. Uh, and last year he battled through a significant wrist injury uh, all season. And he's got this constant uh, uh sciatic leg pain that really bothers him so he he's dealing with with quite a bit from an injury side uh i did hear this part apparently will power had uh piped up the other day and said i know why you're not winning races you're 20 pounds overweight and and that didn't go very well with graham who said look my body fat's as low as anybody for a man my size I'm in good shape. I'm. It's fine. But uh, it was more of a – he brought that up because we were asking him about Will Power's uniqueness in the paddock, just how different uh, Will Power is. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic is, is doing a piece on Will Power. So there were questions to Graham and others about Will Power. So that's kind of how he brought that up. But the point is he feels like he's – He's doing what he can. He's got injuries that he's dealing with and, or has dealt with. And he mentioned that, uh, that uh, his, you know, his body fats and, you know, he's, he's in good shape. He's just a big person. He's probably about the biggest IndyCar driver in terms of thickness and physique. He's a big guy. Well, I think he, that was in the last episode of 100 Days to Indy. 
that I just watched a couple of days ago, and he's kind of talking about that as, hey, I'm, you know, I've got a disadvantage to everybody else. I'm, I'm just a little bit bigger, and he has to work really hard to stay as light as he can. But he probably weighs 190, 195, and they do balance uh, the, the cars a bit. But I think if you're over about 175 or so, you're just paying a penalty. Maybe it's a little bit more than that, but he, he's paying a little bit of a penalty when you're over that. I remember Sam Hornish Jr. saying, I can't weigh more than 170 pounds. Or, and at one point, you know, this kind of started what? When, when, I don't know if it was because of Danica Patrick, but coincidence when she weighed 70 pounds less than some drivers. Or, or so that's when they started putting more ballast on the cars to equalize things out a little bit. But it is challenging for the bigger drivers and it makes it more difficult for Graham. But I don't know that he weighs much more than he did when he was winning six times. So this is more about let's get everything sorted. Hopefully the GP weekend was a good start for the RL team and that they're headed back in the right direction because I'm a big Graham fan. I think he's great for the sport and I'm hoping that he's more than just an Indy 500 driver. And I'll say this, my guess, I don't know how long he's going to go, but I still bet he comes back and does another year. I don't think he's done yet, but I don't know that. But if I had to guess and go more than 50-50, I would say more likely they start to get things going. He gets reinvigorated, decides he's good for another year. Plus, he's good for the family program, too. Having Graham as a driver is really good for business because, as we've talked about, he's the closer. He gets things done, and I think it's probably easier to finish those deals if he's in the car, if he's available as an active race car driver. What else did you gather from the bullpen today? Any other good nuggets? Well, I think that was that was one of the big ones. Uh, I did hear on on the morning show on this station a uh, conversation this morning with Tony Kanaan, who said, and he talked a little bit more at length about it than I've heard before, is that he and Castroneves are starting to bounce around the idea of having a team at some level. It may be Indy Next uh, or wow. being involved at, at some level of the sport as they move into the second half of of their professional um, money-making years. Although I asked Castroneves about it, and he said, yeah, I wouldn't consider that a money-making venture. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that you get into, you get into having a race team to make money, which I thought was funny because, as they say, you know, one of the best ways to – to have a small, uh, to have a big fortune. Let's see, how, how does that go? Is it is to uh, how do you have a start? Have a small fortune in racing, and it's to start with a big fortune. Uh, something so, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So anyway, they've at least had that conversation, and and I think you could see them down the road in in maybe not an IndyCar program right away, but but maybe it's in a in a secondary role. Hey, here's something I just thought of. I had one of my notes from yesterday that I want to mention before we get to the race for uh, out-of-town listeners that are coming in. I've seen a couple of people tweet this, and I've been meaning to tell some friends that travel. So I guess this only applies to when you leave Indianapolis. Coming in should be the same. But allow yourself a little extra time when you come to town and you leave Indianapolis. This has always been one of the super fastest TSA lines, but they have the new machines that scan and likely do a better job. Uh, But right now, one, last time I was in, so I guess it's been a couple of weeks or so, 
they were still putting them in and the TSA agent said, yeah, this is just going to be slower. You're going to want to plan for an extra 10 or 15 minutes. And then I hear on busy days, the line is like out into the, the main lobby as well. So if you have an early Monday morning flight after the 500 heading home, uh, you know, normally it's basically if your flight is leaving at 8 a.m., I always feel like, yeah, if I get to the airport at 730, I'm fine because uh, it takes four minutes to go through TSA. Not anymore. So just allocate yourself uh, extra time here and hopefully it gets better as it gets smoother. But what I hear is this is just a longer process, much like it is in other airports. We've always been spoiled here in Indianapolis. I, I want to do this in the first segment today. So we kind of shift things up a little bit with um, our our news of the day. Maine Indianapolis means racing, including big time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway on their new clay surface, May 19th. It's the second annual CJ Rayburn tribute, $10,000 to win super late models and boss 410 sprints. May 24th and 25th, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship, Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Discounts for military, first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at CircleCityRaceway.com. We've not discussed this, but unless you have another candidate, I'm going to say our news of the day involves one of the longtime IndyCar entrants. Andretti Autosport is now partnered with Wayne Taylor Racing in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It's now WTR Andretti. And I know Wayne Taylor has been looking to add a second entry for a little while. And when Michael and his group came on board, Michael was interested in that as well. And they got it done today. It's been confirmed that they go from a one-car entry. This year, it's Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque to two Acuras next year with Honda Performance Development. And the two drivers, or TBD, and this is how it applies to IndyCar World, I'm going to guess there are some people that are running in this year's Indianapolis 500 or recently have run in the Indianapolis 500 who have been on calls to Michael Andretti and or Wayne Taylor uh, frequently recently looking for that ride. This is a great opportunity. These are pro drivers, paid opportunities. So that's cool. We might see a, another driver we like getting back full time into motorsport next year. It sounds like, you know, you've got a pretty good lead on one of those drivers. No, I just think a lot of drivers, this is a good job. And, yeah, good and I job. know last year there. So, for example, I'll just throw out a name and I've not talked to him about this, but I have to believe Ryan Hunter Ray was calling. He was hoping to get the same type of situation with Cadillac and Chip Ganassi's team this year, but that dissipated. And so this is the only ride he has this year uh, other than the um, uh, SRX series running the stock cars for a little bit in the summer. But, you know, that's fun, and it pays you a little bit. But this is a a real professional driving job, getting to compete at big-time events. Acura is still hoping at some point there are different – it's a longer story about getting to go to Le Mans, but that's a goal in the future of the program. So that's just one, and I think there are quite a few others. So just look at anybody that's driven an IndyCar in the last five years – Uh, or more, and say, yeah, I guarantee they are inquiring about this, and people with other teams, or maybe in different types of uh, lower levels, they're looking into this. This is a good seat, and there's going to be a lot of interest for for that job. All right, we'll get back to more of your tweets coming up. We have some Burger Bash news we need to get into in just a moment, and more. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, Hanging with friends who lift you up. 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I just wanted to check. It's, uh, you know, Indy 500 time again. I'm just curious uh, whether you've had any talks or any interest in potentially doing that race. Uh, obviously not this year, but potentially next year. Yeah, no. Um, unfortunately, I think Larson got the ride that I was slated to get. So he's got that locked up for two years. So I don't know if it'll ever happen, but, um, you know, just unfortunate for, for, for me wanting to be able to go there and run that race and, and had a sponsor lined up in order to do it with and been told, been told no everywhere, or we don't have room or whatever it might be. So, um, that's really frustrating, but, um, you know, is what it is par for the course. So have you given up on it? Are you still, you still keep kind of making calls and checking around? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to be making calls and, and pushing for it. If somebody calls me and says that, they're ready to go and it all lines up right, then um, so be it. We'll go do it. Interesting. That was Bob Pockris from Fox Sports asking Kyle Bush questions today about the Indianapolis 500. Um, what do you make of that, Kurt? Well, I read the transcript of it and then I heard him say it. And to me, that doesn't rule out anything, honestly. He said he had a sponsor. Mm-hmm. The ride went to Kyle Larson. He said, looks like everybody's full and, and so forth. He didn't say that it would never happen. He, he just seemed to indicate that he just was frustrated. I, I heard more frustration than total defeatedness that I that I thought I read in the transcript. I think it just simply means I'm not going to spend a lot of time knocking on doors. You, everyone knows that he's interested. So uh, the the people that have an opportunity probably can get a hold of Kyle Bush and then it can, it might not even be a situation where they have to fully fund it. It would be Kyle, we have a seat for you. Do you still happen to have a sponsor that can help us fund this? And if he says yes, then that gets it done pretty easily. If he says no, then it's okay. We'll get back to you and see if we can get that funded and and hire you for that. So yeah, I would not totally rule that out at this point, but the Errol McLaren one is one that always made sense because they like to do things with a big splash. Now tell me this. So I believe I knew that Kyle Larson was doing two years, but I don't know that I don't know that that's been said publicly. And if not, and I didn't say it publicly, it's because you know, I heard that second, third, fourth hand and believed it to be true, but didn't have the proper sourcing. Has that been out there publicly that Larson, this is a two-year thing with Larson? I read a story about it. And now I can't tell you where I read the story. I might be able to do some quick searching, but I don't want the keystrokes to get in the in the audio of what we're working on tonight. But but I think that it, there was a story from someone saying a reputable source right. – uh, yeah, he, I think you're he right. said he had a two-year deal. I think you're right, and I think we talked about that. And remember saying, "Ooh, this makes a lot of more sense now that he really can do this properly." That next year is going to be like Jimmy Johnson's year. 
you're not going to win the race your first time around when you've not driven this type of car. But if you give it two years, you really it's not just a bucket list. Then it becomes a quest to have a chance to win the Indianapolis 500. It's still going to take probably some circumstances when you've done one other race. But I think it is. It's more possible. It's more feasible. And certainly it's realistic to run up front. And and Kurt Busch somewhat ran up front. I would not have said I wouldn't say Kurt Busch was a contender that year he did the 500, but he was somewhat in the game. So but that that's interesting to see where things stand on that front. Uh, Doug Kuhn at Open Wheel Doug says, I saw J.R. Hildebrand at the track today, and he tweeted that he passed a physical. Is he going to help another shake their cars down? I saw him in the DRR garage today, maybe uh, helping Abel. Um, so I, I don't know that he's shaking down. I think he's just available. So some rumors started swirling yesterday that there might be a a driver change and and i'll say this because the one publicly that uh, said something about it is i'm told that marshall pruitt did a video uh, and, and said that there was the brink of a driver change happening and uh, and at one point yesterday it looked like uh, I, I believe he said a driver an experienced veteran driver is going to be on site and we are hearing there might be a driver change and that's all he said and then he said and by the time we got to monday evening it was uh no changes and there were not going to be any changes today i believe i know who that what that possible change was but i'm not going to say it i'm going to let someone else do that because again i don't have enough sourcing on that and that's for somebody else i'm not as I'm not as super interested in breaking news in those kind of situations. These things do happen. I don't know 100% that J.R. Hildebrand was the driver on standby, but it makes some sense. And I think J.R. has been, you know, he tweeted that he was here at the airport. He's tweeted that he's passed his physical. So maybe there was, um, maybe there was a plan behind the team to let it be known that there's another option here if things don't get sorted or what. But at this point, I think it's JR is, hey, I'd like to do the Indy 500. And if somebody comes up with a need, I'm here, I'm ready, I know how to do this. It unfortunately does happen where changes are made. But I'd be surprised if I don't think R.C. Enerson needs anyone to shake down the car for him. But it's good to know that there is someone here. If R.C. gets in and says, man, this thing feels awful, um, let's let someone else try it out. But R.C.'s been on the track here before, and he was fine other than the fact the car wasn't good enough and he was just slow. But he was fine. Yeah. Let me let me say I heard a, over the last – two days had heard a couple places where JR could be helpful. Let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that both those situations are lo- no longer needed. Uh, I would also tell you that a lot of drivers, especially in the January session, when all the drivers are invited to come to Indianapolis to take their physical, the drivers come and get a physical one, because this, this is a free physical that IndyCar offers Two. If they have a situation where they are needed on short notice, as JR might be, hey, they've got one less thing to have to, one less hurdle to have to clear. So JR's done that. He goes and gets his physical. We all get physicals, or we should. And so he's had his, 
and he's ready to go if one of these cars uh, requests his services in any capacity. So he's available, and he's ready, and he's passed that hurdle. He's surely got his uh, his safety equipment with him and his helmet, so he'll be ready to go if needed. I don't see it right now. There are also going to be other drivers that could be available on very short notice. Spencer Piggott is here and would be available, but he's here for a purpose. He's helping coach and spot for Jacob Abel. He works with him in the Indy Next Series as well. Marcus Armstrong is here. Uh, as an, I, I don't think that would happen for another team, and he also I don't believe has done any kind of an oval test yet, so that would be a hurdle for him to cover Linus Lundquist did do an oval test at Texas Motor Speedway so my guess would be Linus would potentially be available for someone Oliver Askew would probably be around and be here um, Simona De Silvestro could probably be available I'm quite certain Sage Karam would love to have an opportunity Charlie Kimball is probably going to be here I don't know if he has yeah you know that's right Charlie is here he coaches Stingray Rob so Charlie would be here as an option I suppose someone could make a call to the booth and ask if James Hinchcliffe would want to do it my uh, best guess without asking Hinch is it would take a, a very special circumstance to interest him in in such an opportunity so there are always plenty of drivers available and you know because i've had that question before who's on standby if something is needed and i'm sure i left some out in, in that situation back to the twitter inbox at kevin lee 23 um we do, who does the rain today help or hurt so i talked we talked about the young drivers there in that situation you know, I guess, would you say it maybe helps the people that feel most sorted, the less practice time, but even with that, they still want more. They still want to get better because, you know, say you're Ganassi and your cars are great. Well, you probably think, you know, the Aero McLaren cars are great too, so we want to be greater because we're not certain that we're better than them. So I think everyone's always looking for more. So on the hurt side of things, I guess you'd go to the ones that didn't feel very good about their car in the test or weren't very good last year, that probably want as much time as they can get, and or anyone that wants to make sure that they find speed to stay out of the last row shootout. So just kind of look at your candidates who's been there. The one-offs, I think, always want as much time as you can get. So anyone in that category would be in the hurt section, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, I talked to Christian Lingard today pretty extensively about last year's effort at Indy, and it didn't go exceptionally well by any stretch. Catherine Legg's another one I spoke to today. She'd like the track time. Uh, she's ready to get back in the groove of Indy. She hasn't raced here in 10 years. So those are those are a couple names. But honestly, I'm not sure that there's anybody who, who it helps. Um you know, experienced Agreed. drivers probably are are would have a little bit more advantage because they don't really need the track time. But at this point, as you mentioned, everybody wants the track time, and so it, there might be a few that it, it has hurt more than it's helped. But there's not many of those. Wesley Wills at I'm for IRL says I wanted more discussion last night in the Kirkwood penalty. After Will Power ran him into the grass, what was he supposed to do considering next turn was left? Did officials explain their thinking? Are they saying running guys beside you into the grass is just fine? Well, here, if you want more discussion, you do like you just did. You send in a tweet, and we will discuss. So I never saw what happened entering that corner. 
But I heard our driver analyst basically say, hmm, I'm not sure that that was all on Kirkwood. So it's it's definitely a discussion point, but I can't give you firm insight. And race control, they don't generally comment publicly. I suppose, is there still a situation where a pool reporter could go to them and ask for a comment on a particular penalty? Well, if if they deemed it worth the discussion. I, I would just say this. I agree with the with the question. Uh, I wondered what Kyle was supposed to do. I mean, he he's not going to continue to turn left and drive through more grass. I mean, he's going to try yeah. to get to the asphalt as soon as he can. And at that point, Will was there. And I I don't know what Kyle could have done differently. But to your point, I'm not sure what happened approaching the corner either. So anyway. It, it looked like a tough call on Kyle. I thought it might just be play on. Um, but, you know, race control's got about 30 angles. And I suspect that uh, something showed them that, they, I mean, they don't just hand out penalties. That's, in fact, if anything, they've been kind of let things, they've been more likely to let things go. But in this case, they, they must have seen something that we didn't see. Um. We are less than a week away from the Prime 47 Burger Bash presented by Peterman Brothers Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. And I wanted to note this. I did a little head count on our VIP section today, and we're running out of spots. So I think if um, we'll, we'll make space, and this year we're setting up a seating section outside. We'd like to have pretty much everyone outside, but the VIPs will have inside bathroom access that's where the free prime 47 food will be and the full bar will be inside um so that that is an option there but the the show is going to be outside if you'd like to have the opportunity and i'm sure there are more meet and greet opportunities with our driver guests which we are getting great reception from the team saying yep we've got it on our driver's list and they're going to be there and some have even asked to, to, to come so i think that's going to be good on that front but if you wanted to be part of the vip section which is a 100 donation to the iu simon comprehensive cancer center uh simply log on so the what is mark's title the vice president of the burger bash i feel like he should have been promoted at this point because he has a long tenure with this program but he is his charity is kind of our storing house for uh the easiest way to buy the tickets because I don't have a way to do that. And he's the, has the ability to take donations. So it's basic and simple.org is the website for that. And then his email is there. Then just send an email that, Hey, this uh, $100 or 200 or whatever the case was is for VIP tickets to the burger bash. And um, I, I wish I could say he was getting $2,600 uh, donations a day, but it's not. He's going to understand that this is what it's for. So he'll be in contact and get you on the list to be a part of the VIP section for the Burger Bash. Also, I, I just tweeted the link tonight at KevinLee23 if you want to do it that way or at JacksonLeeRacing.com in, uh, in his blog. There's a link and there's also a Burger Bash section. So here's new information. The 100 Days to Indy film crew is going to be coming and filming for one of their final two episodes from the Burger Bash. So that is going to be fun. We'll explain that a little bit. I am afraid to report uh, during the rain delay, 
We watched some of uh, the episode that will air on Thursday night, and there's unfortunately a whole lot of me in this one. So so my 12-second cameos are going to come to a close because Hinch and I watched the first 10 minutes, and it was pretty much Hinch and I back and forth in, in soundbite form, so I haven't seen the rest of it at this point. But what I've seen looks pretty good. They're really getting into the Pato versus Scott Dixon uh, drama going back to Long Beach. And I watched that Marcus Erickson, what was it called? Unleashing the Dragon, something with the dragon. Yeah, it's, it's really available. good. It's really I watched good. It on, yeah, I watched it last night after we got done on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. It is fantastic. It's really good. It recaps the 500, and Hinch is sitting there with Marcus kind of watching the race back. So I would highly recommend you uh, check into that as well. Uh, anything else we need to touch on really quick before I cover – Anything else I got on my notebook coming up in the next segment? Gates open at 10 tomorrow, and the real track activity will start at noon. Uh, you can watch R.C. Enerson in the 10.15 to uh, what 11.30, 11.45 time frame, but the real action with all 34 cars will begin at noon. It'll run till 6 o'clock tomorrow. Back with more in a moment. Hi, this is... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's Graham Rahal, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, ran long. Final segment, along with Burger Bash tickets at basicandsimple.org. I guess the other thing I would say, and Jackson tweeted this today, we still have availability in a suite uh, for his partners for Fast Friday. So send me or Jackson a message, and we are uh, cutting some discounts with some leftover ticket availability for this Friday. And and Jackson and I are going to be in a, doing a tour in the morning, and Jackson will be hosting you all afternoon tomorrow. We're going to recap the first day. The weather looks great tomorrow. From the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, right here tomorrow night at 7, Beyond the Bricks with Jake and Mike is next here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.